We all want our kids to be comfortable playing independently, but how do we actually get there, especially with a child who's resistant to the idea of playing alone? In today's episode, I'm sharing four tips to get your child to play independently more often and for longer. Stay tuned. Parenting, it's the hardest job we'll ever do. Most of us are tired, stressed, and counting the minutes until bedtime. But what if raising kids could feel just a little lighter? I'm Dr. Hillary, a licensed psychologist and mama of three, and you're listening to the Raised Resilient Podcast, where each week we tackle tough parenting topics, and I help decode behavior and empower you with tools and strategies so that even the hardest moments make more sense. Because parenting is hard, no matter how you do it. But I can help you go from barely surviving to parenting in a way that feels good for you and your child. So warm up your coffee and grab your earbuds. It's time to raise resilient kids. Hey friends, welcome back to Raised Resilient. I'm your host, Dr. Hillary, and I'm so glad you're here. This episode is the second in my summer minicast, which is a series of even shorter, even easier to listen to episodes because I know summer can mean busy, summer can mean you've got your kids with you more than you usually do. So my hope is that these short little episodes fit into your busy life even better than my typically slightly longer episodes. So I get asked a lot, how do I actually get my kid to play by themselves? Like I'm hearing about it on Instagram. I'm hearing that it's a good thing to do, but my kid doesn't want anything to do with it. My kid wants to be with me 24 seven. And so today I'm sharing four quick tips to get your child to play independently more often. But before I jump into that, I just wanted to remind you that I have an amazing free resource for you. If you have not already grabbed your copy, I talk all the time on this podcast about how our mindset as parents, which is essentially the way that we see ourselves, the lens through which we are viewing ourselves and our kids in hard moments, the lens through which we are seeing our kids' behaviors in hard moments. That lens is everything when it comes to whether parenting feels good or whether it feels stressful and overwhelming. The good news is that if we commit to doing so, we can shift our mindset. We can shift the lens through which we're seeing ourselves, our kids, and their behaviors. But where do you start, right? So I created a free guide, six mindset shifts to ditch the overwhelm and parent in a way that feels good. And you can get your copy totally free, raiseresilient.com forward slash mindset. This guide has the six foundational mindset shifts that I had to make in order to shift the lens through which I was seeing myself, my kids, and their behaviors in those really challenging parenting moments. And it will be a game changer, especially if you feel really frustrated right now by your child's behaviors and you're kind of wondering where to go next in order to help things feel less stressful. So go grab your copy if you have not already done so. And without further ado, let's jump into my four tips to get your child to play independently more often. Okay, so my first tip is to let your child be bored. I'm going to do a whole episode on this next week, so stay tuned. I'm going to talk all about boredom, why it's important to let our kids be bored, and how to actually do that. Because it sounds nice in theory, but it can be really challenging to actually hold space for the feeling of boredom. So I'm going to do a whole episode on that next week. Stay tuned. But it's really important to remember that boredom is a feeling. It's just like sadness, happiness, jealousy, whatever other feeling we might hold space for, for our kids. And it's really important that we remember that and that we don't fear boredom. 
I think it's really easy as parents to get into this habit of entertaining our kids. It can feel like it's our job to entertain our kids, and that is so not true. You, as a parent, do not need to entertain your child. And we do this, right? We say, oh, you don't know what to do next. Well, why don't you get out your blocks? You haven't played with those in a while. Or why don't you do an art project? Why don't you go play with your brother? Why don't you go outside? Oh, you could get out the baby pool and put some balls in it and play, right? We say that because we're hoping that our kid will take one of these ideas and run with it. But here's the thing. The more you do that, the more your child gets used to you doing that and the more your child expects that you're going to do that. And you're actually doing their job for them. It is your child's job to figure out when they have unstructured time, how to fill that time. So in case you have not heard this before, let me tell you very clearly what is your job. It is your job to provide a safe, stimulating play environment with developmentally appropriate toys and playthings and books, not too many, and we'll get into that in a minute, and then get out of your child's way. And we're going to talk more about how to actually make this happen, but this is so important that we understand what is our job and what is our child's job. So again, I'm going to cover boredom and how to let your child be bored next week. I'm going to talk about four reasons it's important for your child to actually be bored and how to actually get out of their way. So we're going to talk more about that. But for now, understand that it is so important to get out of your child's way and let them actually have the space to feel the feeling of boredom, which will springboard them into coming up with something new to do. So my second tip is to create a play environment that is conducive to independent play. Now, what does that mean? Well, a couple things specifically. The first one is to create something that Janet Lansbury calls a yes space. Essentially, a yes space is a space in which your child can fully explore. They can fully immerse themselves in the play without worrying about doing something that's unsafe, without you worrying about them doing something that's unsafe, right? Without worrying about you coming in and saying, oh, no, 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 don't touch that. It's a space your child can freely and fully explore. So the very first requirement here, especially if you have a baby or a toddler, and yes, babies and toddlers can play independently. I highly recommend starting this as early as possible. I actually have a longer episode about independent play that's from last summer. And in that episode, I get into the why and I get into how early we want to start this and why it's actually a really great idea for our kids and why it is so important to actually building a secure attachment relationship. So definitely go back and listen to that for sort of the background on why we want to encourage independent play with our kids. But a yes space needs to be confined. So I know sometimes it can feel like we're restricting our kids by putting up baby gates, but actually instead of being restrictive, it helps your child feel safer to fully explore the play space. So I actually avoided putting up a baby gate in our playroom because we have this very wide doorway and it's right off of our kitchen. And I kind of, after my middle child outgrew the baby gates, I thought, you know what? We're just not going to put them back up. I didn't want to damage the trim, which is so silly looking back. But I was like, oh, I don't want to put holes in the wood. I don't even know what baby gate would fit this opening. So I put it off and I put it off and I put it off. And my daughter was probably like 16, 18 months when I finally was like, okay, I cannot function without her having some independent playtime. And there's no way this is going to happen unless I take my own advice and create a yes space. 
So I looked into different Babygate options, and I finally found one from a company called Retractagate. I have no financial ties to them, but this gate has been amazing for us. I actually have a reel on Instagram that shows the gate if you're interested in seeing what it looks like. I haven't been very active on Instagram lately because I'm taking a social media break, but I have so much good information there in very quick little snippets. So if you're interested, you can go to Raised Resilient at Raised Resilient and check out what I have to offer there. And I do have a reel that shows this baby gate from last summer, I think. So I finally took the time to put up this baby gate and y'all, the holes were like so small. That was such a silly reason for me to be worried about putting this baby gate up. In the end, it was the easiest thing to install and it has been a game changer. There's no other way to say it. Like it has been a game changer. My only regret is not doing it sooner. I should have done it as soon as she was mobile. But at any rate, my daughter, even now, she will play in that playroom by herself for hours sometimes, y'all. Hours. And yes, I've been cultivating and encouraging independent play from the beginning with her, but creating a yes space was the biggest game changer in getting her to really immerse herself in the play. And the great thing about a baby gate is that they can still see and hear you. They're not shut behind a door and you can still see what's going on because you do want to be available to them. They need to know that you're around but that you're immersed in what you're doing and they're immersed in their work, right? Because play is the work of childhood and they need to know that you're available. Like my daughter might trip and fall and then she'll call for me or she might say, I need help with something, but she knows that she is safe in this space and that everything in it is fair game for her to explore. I actually made the mistake recently of having a plant in there that she now is big enough to climb up and she dumped it out the other day and I started to get frustrated and then I remembered, wait a minute, it's her yes space. She can now reach the plant, which means that I need to move the plant. So I did. So that's the idea behind a yes space. And then Also, when you're creating this conducive to independent play environment, you've got to remember that less is more. There's actually some really good research that showed that children will play longer and more creatively when they have fewer toys, not more. So you want to make sure that the space is not overwhelming. Rotate out the toys if you need to, but make sure that you don't have too much going on in this space. And also, Put the toys back each day, sort of reset the room so that your child can go in and explore anew, especially for babies and toddlers. That's really important because if they go in and the toys are scattered all over the room, even if there's not a lot of them, if the environment feels overwhelming, then they're not going to want to play. So a good rule of thumb is if it feels overwhelming to you, it's probably overwhelming for your child. In that reel, you can actually see a little bit of our playroom. And so you can see how I've put out just a few important things. And I do try to change them out as my child grows so that she has developmentally appropriate toys. So that's creating an environment that is conducive to independent play. Now, my third tip, and this is a great one if your child is resistant to playing by themselves and they want you to be there, scaffold their independent play or front load it with a few minutes of you playing with them. But it's really important that when you're quote unquote playing with them, you're actually doing more of a child-led play observation. Here's what that might sound like. Oh, I see you're getting out the cars. Yeah, you're lining them up in a row. It looks like you're making them race. The red one looks like it's going really fast. I see that. Your child tells you to be the blue car and you say, oh, what's the blue car going to do next? What do you think, right? You're really letting your child be the leader. This is how I 
always advise that parents play with children. It's not about you taking on a role or doing your best princess impression. It's about letting your child be the leader and you in more of an observational, reflective role. I feel like this topic of play observation deserves its own whole episode. So mental note, I will make that happen. But for now, just know that your role is just to really reflect what you see your child doing and delight in their play. After five to 10 minutes of this max, I would not stay longer than that. I would just excuse myself. Oh, you know what? I'm going to go put in a load of laundry. I love watching you play. I will be back in a little while to see what you've come up with. If your child protests, hold space for the feelings. I hear you. I know you are enjoying me being here. I'll be back in a little bit. Trust me, your child will get used to this. You have to just do this a lot of times. And sometimes in the beginning, your little trip to put in a load of laundry might only be five minutes. Then they might need you to come back and check in. But the more practice your child has playing on their own, the longer they will start to play on their own. So you have to just trust the process and know that when your child is sick or struggling or going through a developmental leap, they might need you closer a little more often. And that's okay. That's totally normal. So that's my third tip is to really help get your child settled, especially if they are resistant. You won't have to do this as they get more used to independent play, but especially in the beginning when they are resistant, this can be a great strategy to encourage independent play. And my last tip for encouraging independent play and getting more of it in your family is to never interrupt independent play. I cannot tell you the number of times that I have walked into my child's room and just been in awe of what they're doing or what they've built. And I've said something like, oh my goodness, look at that castle you built. That is so cool. And it's as if my child remembers, oh yeah, you exist. Mommy, I need you. Mommy, come back. Mommy, don't leave. And here I was just poking my head in, just kind of stopping by in between my tasks just to check in. And now I have completely derailed the independent play. Here's the thing. Our presence and our communicating with our child in the middle of their independent play process disrupts their creative process. It takes them out of their imaginative world and pulls them back into our world. And in our world, they do want to connect with us. Of course, they're going to want to hang out with you. So to the extent that you can, never interrupt independent play. Now, of course, you do need a way to make sure that your child is safe. And so this is where baby gates can be wonderful. You can kind of just peek around the corner and make sure that they're good. If you need to shut a door, just make sure you have a baby monitor so that you can see what they're doing. And then as long as they are safe and playing happily, you go on about your business and let them be. You will be amazed the more you do this at how long your child will be able to go. So those are my four tips for encouraging your child to play independently more often and for longer. I hope this has been helpful. And until next time, we've got this. I so appreciate you listening and being here. It really means the world to me. And if you are enjoying this podcast, leave a review and share with someone who could use this message. I really and truly believe that this is how we change the world. We spread the word about raising resilient kids, about being cycle breakers. So share this podcast, leave a review, and let's spread the word about raising resilient kids. Until next time, we've got this.